Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Each week is an acrostic. We've been going through a letter. And this morning in culture, we're going to cover T, the fourth letter in it. And I'm so excited about the first uh, couple of weeks we covered culture. It was uh, choice, not control. The second week, the U was uh, unity, not uniformity. Last week, we did love, not law. And this is just the DNA of Life Church. It's the DNA of the small group, ministry group of churches that we have. It's called Life Streams. We have some churches in Uganda, a whole bunch of churches in Uganda, Uganda, England, and the Chicago land area, and us here. And we are thrilled and privileged to be part of a, a group of people who um, have a similar DNA. And our desire um, is that you, I, we would encounter Jesus. We, we, we have a, a way that we do things, things that we value, things that we prize, that don't make us better or um, more godly or more spiritual than anybody else, but it's just things of what we actually prize as a people. My wife and I, we have four children and three grandchildren, and it's just how the Kyle family, we have a culture in the, in the Kyle family. When we sit down at the table, we say please, we say thank you, we attempt to honor people and extend courtesy and kindness and have good manners, and you think, well, that's not, where's that in the Bible? I don't see manners in the Bible. Well, actually you do. When we pray and we, with gratitude and thankfulness and appreciation for others. But it's just the Kyle family. We have a way of doing life. And at Life Church here in St. Peter's, we have a way of doing life together. Things that we really appreciate. And so as we're going through this acrostic culture, this morning we're going to talk about truth and how we value the truth, why we value the truth, uh, what our value system is that defines our our understanding of truth. It's truth, not twist. And you will, uh, if you've lived long enough and watched TV long enough, you will understand. You hear things on TV and you're like, what they purport to be the truth or what they purport to be the, the real thing. And you're looking at anything, that's not the truth. That's a lie. Of course, I don't know if anybody yells at their TV like I do. I mean, I don't yell. That would be bad. That would be wrong. But sometimes I communicate with the people on the television. I'm like, you're wrong. No, thank you. Thank you, Sandy. So this morning we're going to look at truth, not twist. And in and, and looking at that, the scripture says this about itself. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. I don't know if you've got that one, Deacon. There it is. All scripture. Everybody say all. All, all scripture is God-breathed. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We value the Word of God. We value the Bible. Amen. If you've been here a few times, you, you probably think, well, is that one of them charismatic churches? Yes, we have been described by some as being a spirit-filled or charismatic church. We, we love Holy Spirit. We love what he does. He's amazing. He's powerful. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's promised he's going to stay here until Jesus comes back. Amen. We love the gifts of the Spirit. But without the word of God pinioning under, we can be really weird on our own. 
I've been a Christian for 43 years. I've been in charismatic churches for 43 years. That's all I've ever known. I didn't, I didn't get growed in a Methodist church or a Baptist church or a Catholic church. This is all I've ever known is spirit-filled churches. And I've been around long enough to see some wacko. And that's not Waco, Texas, just some wacko. And you hear some things and you're like, that's not what the Bible says. That's certainly not even what the Bible intends. How can you say that? Why would you say that? The Bible is our, it's our rudder. It's the foundation for everything that we trust as true and believe. And so in our culture, it's truth, but not truth as an American. It's not truth as a liberal or a conservative. It's not truth as a Westerner. It's truth as a believer who has the word of God as our standard for everything that we believe. We love the Bible. It's our anchor. It's our plumb line. It navigates us through life. It's our principles that cause and guide me and you. When someone shares an opinion, a thought that runs contrary to the scripture, just, it just clears a bell. Somebody shares something. That this is what I think. And it runs contrary to the word of God. We reject every notion that sets itself up against in opposition to the truth of Scripture. My wife and I, we, we had a, a, a lady came to us a number of years ago, probably 30 years ago. And she was so excited. She was a single gal, lovely woman. She was in the church and she came to us and she was so excited. She announced to us she was getting married. Or I, remarried. She was getting remarried for the second time. And I go, oh, okay, great. I, you know, we didn't know anything about it. And I said, well, who's the, who's the blessed man? And she said, Ed. Not any Ed here. Ed. And I'm like, Ed who? Ed Whitsonbaum. Made up name, fictitious. I'm going to marry Ed Whitsonbaum. And I'm like, Ed Whitsonbaum in this church? Yes. And I look at her and say, what does his wife Debbie think about that? Does Debbie know? She said, well, I don't know about that, but God told me I'm going to marry Ed. Holy Spirit spoke to me. I said, well, I just disagree. I don't think the Holy Spirit spoke to you. I think you've, you're wrong. And she waited for years for Ed. It's just tragic what people think. How did I know she wasn't supposed to be married to Ed? Because Ed was married to someone else. It's not complicated many of the times, folks. And whenever I hear something, want to believe something that's contrary to the word of God, it's really easy to know a lie. But do I know the truth? And I stand on the truth, not what I feel, not even what I want. Not what makes me feel comfortable. What does the Bible have to say about what I feel? My feelings are submitted to this. My wants are submitted to this. Not everything is clear in the word of God. Let me be clear what I mean by that. I don't know that the Bible says if you should buy the red car or the blue car. I don't think the Bible tells you if you should buy the blue car or the red car. I don't think so. 
But it does tell you whether you should commit adultery or not. Yeah. Or try and take someone else's spouse or not. Or if you should steal. I think the Bible has a lot to say about that. Does that make sense? Yeah. The Bible, it's my underpinning, it's my guide, it's my rudder. And I can know whether I'm believing a lie. We heard this morning from Lucy, was it, who, our father, who you are, do I know who I am? This tells me who I am. I can still remember things that my unsaved mom and dad said about me from the earliest of ages. I can still remember what my mom said about me. I was going to be divorced three times, at least three times. I was only 11 at the time. Give me a chance, mom. But I can still remember the day she said it. She saw me coming. I'm sorry. She didn't see me coming into the kitchen. And she was on the phone with one of her friends. And maybe I had some early issues. I don't know. <laughs> but all I know is she was dead wrong. But people can live their whole lives by something. An uncle, a mom, a dad, a grandpa, a teacher said to them, a friend said to them, believing lies about their identity and who they are simply by putting... putting power to it by believing a lie. What does the Bible say? My goodness, Lord Jesus, help me to know who I am in Christ. This tells me who I am in Christ. Not the TV preacher, and, and, and not even me, if it doesn't agree with this. This is my guidepost for everything in my life. The power of believing truth and also the power of believing lies. I'll tell this story. I told it probably 18 months ago. I, I grew up in a, in a broken home. Won't go in. That's not the subject of the story. But my, my dad was a, a great man. I, I love my father. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. He didn't get saved until he was probably 65 years old. I baptized him in his own bathtub. What a privilege. But my dad in many ways, was a very, very fearful man. Very fearful. Lived most of his life right across the river in Bridgeton, Missouri. And he um, told me at a very young age, at a young age, that I, that I needed to be careful with um, being sick. Because his father, my grandpa, had died of pneumonia. And so... As my wife and I got married and we had our own kids, my, my father would call me twice a year. Make sure you get your pneumonia shot. Make sure you get... And then we moved to Chicago and uh, different places. And my dad would hunt me down to make sure that every year I got my pneumonia shot. And I remember my wife calling me and telling me that my dad had called her. Because my, my dad was very close to my wife also. He was a good man. And my dad was in tears, in fear that we weren't going to get our pneumonia shot that year. In, in absolute fear. Because he was just, that's how his dad had died. And so he just felt like that was just a family thing. We're prone to pneumonia, and that's how we were going to go. And then towards the end of my dad's life in uh, 2014, he passed in 2016. In 2014, he was talking to an old relative uh, who gave my father some information. See, my grandpa worked for Bell Telephone in Texas way back when. And my, my grandfather passed when my dad was only 13 years old. And 
my father had lived his whole life believing that grandpa had, his father had died of pneumonia. And so he was talking to a relative and the relative said, oh no, my dad's name was Dickie. Dickie, your dad didn't die of pneumonia. He died on a telephone pole. So my dad is, what? I said, no, 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 no. Talking to, talking to my dad, Dickie, your dad, he worked for Bell Telephone. He did all the wires in the office, but his friend called in sick. And that one day, your dad, my grandpa, climbed a telephone pole and elect was electrocuted on top of a telephone pole. And in order to get all the company benefits, they had to make up a lie that he had pneumonia. He died of electrocution. My dad was 82 years old when he found out the truth. But his whole life, he believed a lie that he was going to die of pneumonia just like his dad. The power of a lie. My dad lived in fear, abject fear of pneumonia. It was a whole lie, and he believed it. I wonder what lies I might be believing about my life. I wonder what I'm being held back from because I believe something about myself that's not what my dad in heaven would say, but something somebody else said, or just a fear of this and that. And there is so much fear going around in our culture. So much fear. It's permeating our society. Fear. And this is what keeps me bedrock. This is what keeps me stable. This is what keeps my thoughts going in the right direction. The Bible, the Word of God. What does the Bible say about me, about you? How many people have harmed themselves believing lies about themselves? They'll never change. This is the, they're doomed for this reason and that reason. How many lives are dominated by depression because they simply believe lies rather than the truth of God? What I believe, what I put my trust in, makes all the difference in the world. As I said this morning, I was reading in Numbers 10 through 14, an entire generation of people, all men, 20 and over, died in the wilderness because they believed a lie by, purported by 10 men. We can't do it. We can't go in. Those enemies are too big. An entire generation of people because they believed a lie. I wonder what might I be missing in the promised land because I'm believing less than what my Father in heaven has for me. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this. Psalm 119 verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. What giants has God got me to conquer? What giants, what land, what territory has he has for you? If I'll simply believe what God says rather than what the lie would say to me. What I can do or can't. Oh, I can never do that. Here's a lie I believed. My whole life, I had, I had probably two big, well, three big fears. One, heights, then I married one. Her name, maiden name was Height. No longer fear heights. Two was falling into a nest of hornets. It was just a fear. I don't know. Call it crazy. And the other, all through high school, I refused to go on the debate team, speech team, any team that didn't have a ball on it. They could have got me on the debate team if they just threw a ball in. I would have been good. But I refused it because my absolute most dreaded fear was public speaking. I don't think it's funny. 
You don't know the anxiety every Sunday I went through getting up, do, having to get in front of people. And yet, it's what God has called me to, this much, out of this much of what we do, but this much. I could never do that. That's not me. For 10 years, I pushed away the call of God in my life because I know I can't do that. That's not me. I wonder if maybe there's things that God has for you right now that you've been pushing away because you're believing a lie. I can't do that. That's not me. And your Father in Heaven says, absolutely it's you. Absolutely it's you. See? The fire truck coming to rescue people from lies. Luke 4, 16 through 21. Jesus is starting his, his launching into his ministry. And he went into a synagogue and he enrolled the scripture. This is how he started his ministry and quoted out of the book of Isaiah. Luke 4, 16 to 21. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. Read what? The Bible. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. It is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened, were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus fulfilled 353 Old Testament prophecies. What the Bible had said about him. 400 years, there's, there's no more prophets. It seems like everything's gone quiet. Jesus emerges and he starts with unrolling the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, the Bible. And announces that day is now. He didn't start with an opinion about himself, a thought about himself. He said, this is what was said about me in the word of God. In his lifetime, in those three and a half years of ministry, 353 promises, prophecies about the Messiah, about himself were fulfilled. Why? Because God is a covenant keeping God about his word. Not one word will fall to the ground not fulfilled about you, me, or Jesus. The Bible, it's his word. It's his heart. It's his voice in print. Colossians 3, verse 16 says this. Let the message of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to the Lord, to God with gratitude in your hearts. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the desert, he didn't tell him, shoo fly, go away. I'm tired of your voice. That's not what he did to defeat the enemy. What did he do? It's not a trick question. He spoke the word. Every single time that Satan came to tempt him, he didn't say, go away. He quoted the Bible at the devil. Do you think if it was good enough for Jesus, it might be good enough for me and you? You think I might need to have the same weapon of warfare in order to be successful and step into what God has for me? 
John 8, 44. Jesus says this. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire, meaning the devil. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. That's all the devil has on us, folks, is lies. And this is how we know what sets us free, is this. If I don't know this, I'm susceptible. Because the enemy doesn't play fair. He will put his foot right on my deepest, darkest insecurities. Remind me of my failures. Remind me of how many times I've messed up. But not my dad in heaven. My father in heaven speaks through his word and reminds me of who I am. I'm a child called by him. John Block was quoting it this morning. I'm a, I'm a son of the most high. I'm a daughter of the most high. I'm the apple of his eye. I'm called by his name. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I could go on for the next 35 minutes just quoting who I am in Christ. But that's the truth. How often am I saying it? How often am I reminding myself of the truth? If Jesus did that, it might be a good idea for me. Again, Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have to have treasure hidden in here because there's not every day when I'm walking with this and here. And I, oh, yeah, where is that scripture? Lord, I've tucked it in here. I placed it in my soul and I remind myself. And I, I speak to myself. This is what you say. I've hidden it. In my heart. Why do you read your Bible so much? Why is it so important? Why do you memorize scripture? Because when I'm out and about, when I'm driving in my car, or I'm in a, in a stressful situation, I have it in here, but it's impossible to quote it if it's not in here. Why do you read the Bible? Why do you uh, commit it to memory? So that I have something to pull on in my time of crisis. I have something to say in my time of crisis. I don't believe, I honestly believe this. I could be totally wrong, okay? Totally wrong. I think, I think, I think there's 39 books in the Old Testament, I think. I'm just going to say. I have a hard time believing Jesus was carrying around 39 scrolls in the Bible when he was attacked by the devil. <laughs> Hang on, devil, it's in here somewhere. I don't think so. But I think as a young man, he committed himself to the word of God and he memorized it. And he knew what the Bible said. He had hidden it in his heart. Might it be a good idea for me? Maybe you're like me. I grew up and I, 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 was, not, I was not a churchgoer. And I, never, I didn't go even on Christmas, Easter. I was a bad boy. I didn't ever go. And so when I got saved, I was 18. I didn't, I didn't even know Jesus walked on water. I didn't, know any, I didn't know anything. I was blank canvas. And the, and the man, the, the youth pastor of the church on the St. Louis side, he gave me such a gift. He, he gave me the gift of life. He told me, read your Bible. I was a brand new Christian. And I began, and, I, and again, I don't say it to boast. It's just a simple, that's what I did. I just began reading the Bible two hours a day. I was 18, I had some time, and I just devoured the Bible. And it set my life on a path that changed me forever. 
And it was simply understanding this because I was really well aware of what a mess I was. And I had a lot of lies that needed to be dispelled. And this is what did it. What does the Bible say? Many of us, I can be, anybody can be driven by or ruled by emotions, feelings, popular opinions in our society, our current cultural standards that tells me what's right or wrong. Even by the vast majority, culture wants to dominate and influence my mind and tell me what's right and wrong. The shifting patterns of our society. Without this, I can believe lies. I can get off center. But what I have to ask myself, what does the Bible have to say about me? What do I know the Bible says? When I became a Christian in 1977, eight days after I was born again, the Lord gave me a verse. It's Isaiah 58, 11, and 12. And it's stayed with me over the last 43, 40, almost 44 years. I'll just read it to you real quick. It's, it, and I won't go into the story of how God spoke it to me. There it is. Isaiah 58, 11, and 12. I was, okay, real quick. I was so stupid. I, I was with my friend who led me to the Lord. His name is Owen. And I, I wanted to know, should I leave St. Louis or not? Should I move or not? And, I, and so he said, well, I don't know. And I said, and I said to Owen, Owen, can, can the Lord speak to me in any way? He said, anyway. Can the Lord speak to me through the Bible anyway? So I said, okay, Owen, if I, don't do this at home, kids. Don't do this at home. Trust me. But in my foolishness, God was kind to me. And I said, Owen, if I open my Bible and put my finger on a page... Can the Lord guide me or not? And he said, and he was just as dumb as I was. And he said, sure. I said, if I, he'll guide me. And he said, yeah, the Lord can guide you. I said, okay. So I just went, eeny, meeny, mo. And my finger landed on Isaiah 58, 11, and 12. The Lord will guide you always. And it will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. And you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up age-old foundations. And you will be called a repair of broken down walls, a restorer of streets with dwellings. I wept at just the kindness of God. I didn't understand how kind he was to me at that point. But over the last 40 years, I've had so many people come up to me. Tom, I really feel like this verse is for you. Meeting, conferences, people will give me this verse. It is, the, it is the word of God over my life. I know it's a messianic promise, but it's one he also shares with me. And it has kept me and pulled me out of so many mud pits, so many situations where my heart is broken. I'm just in dismay. But I know, God, I know, I know, I know. You're faithful to your word and you will guide me. How many times, Lord? How many times? And it's the Bible, the rudder to my soul. So I tell people, let's not argue over silly things, over different theologies, different doctrines. What I do know is this. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was born of virgin birth by the power of Holy Spirit. Jesus died on a cross for my sins and yours. He raised him on the third day by the power of mighty Holy Spirit. And we're saved by grace through faith. 
It's the only way to salvation. And I believe the Bible is the word of God. Is inspired scripture to keep me from lies, keep me from deception. There are absolutely absolutes. We can disagree on so many different things. But for me, this is an absolute that I value and will always value all the days of my life. It keeps me free from the twist of society, the twist of culture that wants to tell me what I should believe and not believe, to tell me what I should accept and not accept. The Bible helps me in so many areas. Basic foundational principles regarding human sexuality, handling, handling finances, handling relationships, sin, addictions, marriage, relationships, what I'm supposed to do when I've been offended. The Bible tells me the truth, not society. I just want to conclude with just a couple of thoughts. It's we, I call it great, but how? And think, okay, the Bible, all right. How does it, you know, what do I do now? Great, but how? Just a couple of thoughts to help me help us. Because I really do believe there's so much power in life. It's like a gold mine. Literally, if you knew, if you knew you had a treasure chest buried in your backyard, and inside of it, it was laden, it was filled with pure gold. And occasionally you might have a need. Well, I'm never going to go out there. You, you would be all over that. You'd be digging every day. Is there more gold down there? And if not, let me dig. I'll come over and help you. But if there was a, if there was a chest of gold out there, would you just let it lay dormant for anybody to come along, but you wouldn't take access of it yourself? Of course not. We'd all be out there with a spade in our hand, digging, digging, digging. This is better, a billion times better than a gold mine. Can I encourage you to put your foot on the shovel and dig the gold that's in them our hills? It's gold. It's more powerful than gold. It changes lives. Yes, it needs the Holy Spirit breath on it. I don't want to be a Pharisee where I just, I just quote the Bible and don't live it. I, I need the Holy Spirit to breathe life into this. But this keeps me from foolishness. This keeps me from the twists of culture that wants to tell me right and wrong. No, the Bible will tell me what's right and wrong. So great, but how? Number one, if I don't know the Bible very well, if you don't know the Bible very well and you need an answer, go find somebody that knows the Bible really well. You need an answer tomorrow. And you're, you're, you don't know the, honestly, you just, and it's okay. You don't know the Bible real well. Can I just encourage you? Find somebody who knows the Bible really well. Don't call up a counselor. Don't call up Aunt Myrtle. I had one. Ask for help. Say, please help me. What does the Bible say about this issue in my life? And have them show you in the scriptures. What does the Bible say? Wisdom, the Bible says, is found in a multitude of counselors. Find somebody who knew, knows the Bible. We've got so many people just in this body who know their Bible really well. Donnie Flynn, could you stand up real quick? Rick Perryman, Mike Stafford. Jean Bloch, Miss Randy. 
Who, me? Yes, you. Randy, yeah, that one. Well, they need to stand Mike, Rick Perryman. No, you keep standing. I have to. You get to. Have Sue Stafford. Need some women of God also. Stacy Dickus. Cindy Headland. Can you guys? Yeah, you have to stand. Sorry. Join the party. There are people in this body who know the Bible. They know what it says. And I could have another 40 people stand right now, but they asked, they paid me money not too early. Y'all can sit down. This room is loaded with people. And if you don't know what the Bible says and you need an answer today, tomorrow, next week, ask somebody who knows the Bible. It can keep me and you from a disaster. No, it won't tell you red car or blue car. It won't tell you if you should have a, I don't even know the names of computers, a Mac or a window. Sorry, just having a little fun. <laughs> I'm a little better than that, but not much. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you whether you should take train, car, or plane. But it'll tell me how to deal with my lustful thoughts. It'll help me deal with my jealousy. It'll help me, it'll tell me how to deal with my anger. When someone has hurt me, deeply wounded me, this tells me what I'm supposed to do with it. When that person keeps getting promoted and, and my friend isn't, or my son isn't getting promoted, and I just sense injustice, this tells me what to do with my emotions. It really does. It helps me. Otherwise, I'm just like a, a ship driven along by every wind, buffeted by the storms of life. This keeps me anchored. Second thing, real quick, great, but how? Say what the Bible says. Once I've entered in, I, I've, I'm figuring out somewhat, at least what the Bible, say what the Bible says. Don't say what my feelings are saying and they're contrary. Don't say what my emotions are feeling in, in the midst of a storm. Say what the Bible says when my emotions, when my feelings are contrary to the Bible. Here's, here's one thing we don't say, culture at the Kyle House. Here's what we don't say at the Kyle House. We're never going to make it. We're going down again. It just doesn't come out of our mouths. Why? Because it's contrary to what this says. The Bible says I'm an overcomer. And if I fall seven times, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get back up. That's what the Bible says. Say what the Bible says. Well, that's not what I'm feeling. Well, mm, I could say so much. Um, for me, I don't care what I'm feeling. What does God say about his little boy? What does the Bible say about his son? That's what I'm going to say. You want to know how to live a victorious life, how to be an overcomer. Start saying what the Bible says. And don't say what my feelings say when they're contrary. I, Lord, I just want to agree with you. I just want to, well, that's that. That's that repeated stuff, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's the repeated stuff, the Bible. I'm going to repeat that stuff. That's what Jesus did. The Son of the Most High came and he said what his Father said. Might it be good for me? Might it be good for you? 
Let me pray. Father, I thank you for truth. I thank you that your truth trumps every truth this world has to offer. Any voice, any imagination set itself up against the wisdom and the counsel of heaven. Father, I choose you every time. I don't care what the world says about me. I don't care what my family says about me. I don't care what my feelings say about me. I'm going to say what you say. Father, it's, 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 our, it's our life. Your word is, is, our, is life to me. It's life. Lord, help us to dispel the, the lies that we believe. Help us be able to see those things that are holding me down, holding me back, keeping me off track. Questions about identity. Questions about my future. Questions about my, my past. Questions about my children. About my spouse. About my job. My, my health. Father, I, I want to choose you. I want to step into the promised land. Your promised land that you have for me, that you have for us. I don't want to die on the wrong side of the Jordan River because I believe lies. But I want to step in. I want to step over. I want to live in a land flowing with milk and honey. It's my inheritance. It's our inheritance. Help us. Mighty Spirit of God, help us. Father, give me the courage to try again the discipline of reading your word. Father, whether I failed, it's already March or April 18th, and Lord, I'm so far behind on my annual. So, Lord, I, can I start today? Can I just press reset today and just read a psalm today, a proverb today? Lord, help me. Help me develop disciplines in my life that will keep me from train wrecks in the future. Thank you for gifted Bible teachers. Thank you for gifted people who just know the Bible. Father, may the treasure chests be opened and the valuables dispersed liberally amongst the body. Bless us as we read. Holy Spirit, we pray for revelation, understanding and wisdom of what the word of God has to say. Help us, Lord. We ask for wisdom. We look to you. Thank you that you put your your voice in print that we could understand your ways, mighty God. Lord, I won't be discouraged. I'm going to be motivated to pursue you, pursue the Bible in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. If you want prayer, if you need prayer, you want somebody to stand with you on anything, we have a prayer team. Come on up. We'd love to pray and stand with you. Be blessed. Be encouraged. We love you. Have an awesome week. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.